what's some advice that you could give to me personally to be like, you know, if you wanted to write a book, this is what you should probably write about, or you should write about only mobile home parks, or how do you even approach this? Yeah. I've got a couple of big pieces of advice that I think are really relevant. The first piece of advice would be, if at all possible, write on an evergreen topic. And an evergreen topic is something that doesn't go out of style because it's not dated. If you can write a book on a topic that isn't gonna lose relevance based on events or dates in time or things that happen, that's really, really powerful because your goal is to write a book that can serve you and it can serve others for the next 25 years. The second thing I would say is bait the hook to suit the fish, not the fisherman. A lot of people that I meet, they write the book that they've always dreamed about writing. (laughs) And the problem is it's really not the book that people dream about reading. Welcome to the Road to 100 podcast a show for those of you who are out there building empires. We're your hosts, Cody Littlewood and Pasha Esfendieri. Together, we'll embark on the journey to the coveted 100 million mark, as well as striving for excellence in every aspect of our lives. Here at The Road to 100, we believe that true success goes beyond financial prosperity. That's why we bring you insightful conversations with top entrepreneurs and trailblazers who share their unfiltered experiences in building wealth, as well as cultivating fulfilling relationships and maintaining optimal health. This podcast is perfect for ambitious entrepreneurs, health enthusiasts, and anyone seeking genuine and transformative insights from those who dare to go all out. Welcome to The Road to 100, and we will see you at the finish line. needs no introduction. If you went and listened to one of our greatest episodes, episode 25, Adam Witte is coming back to rejoin us to keep be able to pick his brain. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming back for part two of this interview. Really appreciate the hell out of you, you see man. my head growing? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should hear what we said before the call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Yeah. No, but, you know, there were just, you know, I even uh, re-listened to that episode because there was just so much knowledge there. And I think it's such a, such an important thing is as any entrepreneur, as any owner to really understand how marketing is going and how selling is going. And really quick antidote is uh, one of my team uh, members was got nervous about selling our homes or mobile homes. And I just said, stop selling, just inform and just educate. That's all you need to do. They're already looking for a home. What are you like? There's nothing to be nervous about. So this is why it's really important. So I really love what you're doing. Thank you again for being on, Adam. Thank you for joining Fun times. Us. Pleasure. Yeah. So you just, last episode, last time you were on this episode, which is episode 25, if anyone who's listening to this hasn't heard it already, you just talked about your book coming out, The Authority Advantage, and it's been released since. And so how's that going? And uh, let's jump into that book. Yeah. Proud parent. Uh, here it is, baby. Congratulations. In awesome. all of its glory. Uh, the, the authority <laughs> advantage. So the, the big idea, the, the subtitle of the book is building thought leadership based on impact, not ego. And if I were to summarize the book in, in a sentence, it would be this. Um, most people are operators with something to sell. So, so they're operating their business 
and they're advertising, they're marketing because they want to get somebody to come buy their stuff. Um, whether it's a product or a service, doesn't matter. We believe that if instead you see yourself as a thought leader, as a teacher, and, and instead you view your job as teaching, as informing, sharing your knowledge with other people, uh, it's going to be much, much easier to actually sell things. We talked about it on the first episode when I'm advertising, when I'm marketing to you, trying to get you to buy something, people's defense mechanisms go up. They're skeptical, they're untrusting, and they think that you're trying to take their money out of their pocket. And like, that's right. a big barrier that you have to overcome when people have doubt. But man, when you're just teaching, when you're just sharing, when you're just educating, um, there's immediate rapport, there's immediate trust. There are no defense barriers whatsoever. And, you know, if somebody mm -hmm. wants to buy it, they're going to say, hey, this is awesome. Like, how can your company help me do this? And right. selling doesn't become selling. Yeah. Do you think that's just because we're a nation of consumerism and we just love to spend and you know is 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 this the reason why it's it's so pivotal to just go that way or do you think it's just a maybe a reaction to how salesy things were in the past and and maybe i'm just putting my own thoughts on it but in the 50s and 60s and mad men and all of this and you know maybe we're just realizing what works and what doesn't work i don't know i just want to get your idea on why this works so well much. I, so, so there's always been advertising and marketing, but really only in the last hundred years has it come to, to be an industry in and of its own self, right? And I mean, look, America's roots are as a capitalistic country. There's, you know, lots of capitalistic countries around the world. But when people think of free enterprise and free markets and capitalism, the first thing they think of is the United States, which I'm very proud of. I think all of us are very proud of. Yeah. But what that also entails with it is mass consumerism yeah. and mass consumerism is all about people buying more, people consuming more. And if you want to get people to consume more, you have to make sure they know who you are and what you offer, which is where marketing and advertising come into play. So this whole idea of, of authority marketing, thought leadership marketing, yeah, it's always existed, right? I mean, look, there have been people from, from, for generations and from centuries before that were teachers. But, but this whole idea of, of using teaching as what I'll call brand currency, you know, I would say at least as a, as a kind of a discipline and thinking about it and executing it in a logical and systematic way, yeah, I think that's relatively new. Uh, I'm not here to say that we're the pioneer and we're the one that created it because there have been far greater people that have come before us. But there is no doubt that, you know, at Forbes Books, our entire business for the last 17 years has been about helping leaders, helping CEOs, helping entrepreneurs, you know, really transform themselves from being an operator who's trying to sell something to becoming a thought leader who's teaching something. Got it. And then how? I mean, what, so what is that? What, like, if you're giving advice to me, 
how the hell do I become an authority? So the first thing is uh, most people that we talk to already are authorities. They just don't know it, mm -hmm. right? And that is that they have spent the time, the hours, the, 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 they have the credentials that would be recognized as an authority in a certain industry, right? So, you know, Pasha, you are an authority in all things real estate. And, and I know that based on the number of hours collectively you've invested in that industry, in that sector, right? But you may not think of yourself that way. The, the first job that we have is to actually just like in black and white terms say, dude, you know a whole lot more than you're probably giving yourself credit for. Uh, and, and so convincing people that it's okay to you know, shine the spotlight on themselves a little bit, and it's okay to share what they know with others. Is that because a... of a comparison game? Like, I, I always, it's it's always the people that know the most that realize they know the least, right? Like, some of the some of the people that I think most highly of, um, you know, in 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 any certain subject, will be the first people that are like, listen, I, you know, I'm only scratching the surface on this, and they they. You know, it's kind of that thing, right? The more you know about a subject, the more you realize you don't actually know. And so how much of it is that versus um, versus like a comparison game, right? Like if I'm in the space or, or Posh is in the, you know, Posh is in this mobile home space, right? And Posh is, you know, miles and miles and miles of better than, you know, almost anyone out there that I know. But he's probably in that space and he probably knows operators that have been doing it longer than he has. And so he probably is going to feel like, well, I don't know as much as that guy. Like, who am I to write a book or who am I to teach this stuff? So I guess I'd love to, like, where does that come from? I mean, or does it come from all the above? And how do you, uh, how do you kind of get over that? Sorry, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Uh, it's comparison. It's what you just said. It's comparison. Uh, it is also a bit societal. You know, when, when we were little kids, you know, our, our mothers and fathers probably said, you know, don't act out in class. Um, don't seek attention in the spotlight. You know, it, it's unbecoming. Uh, I mean, th there's a lot of things subliminally, yeah. especially as kids growing up, where we were taught not to go out on a limb. We were taught to blend in with the crowd like everyone else. Or to be humble, right? Don't, right? Be, don't be proud. Right, right, exactly. Humility, right? And, and all of that in some ways is really good. But in some ways, in unintended ways, it's actually really bad because it creates this level of doubt that a lot of people have that who am I to share this information? Who am I to say that I know more than anybody else? And candidly, I don't even think, Cody, it's about saying I know more than anybody else. It's about saying, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I've learned a lot. And if I can share with you some of what I've learned to cut your learning curve down, then that's good for you. And it's a way for me to give back to the world at large. And it's, it's when you have that servant leader mindset that I think pursuing authority is a very noble calling and cause. When you pursue authority because you want to beat your chest and say, hey, look at me, I'm the best. And there's people that the three of us know that do that, then then that's where you're missing the mark. And that's when, you know, it's about ego. It's not about impact. 
So it's really, it's really about, it's really about not focusing. It's almost totally turning the attention away from you and, and what do I have to, uh, you know, what, what do I have to offer? How am I in comparison to everyone else? And just a total focus on who that person is that you're teaching. Um, it, 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 yeah. it is 100% about focusing on the message, not the messenger, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And look, my message is authority, the authority advantage. My message is that when you're seen as an authority and when you're teaching versus selling, it creates innumerable, innumerable benefits for the audience and for you. That's my message, right? And I'm talking about it on this podcast. I'm talking about it in my book. Now, whether or not somebody calls me or emails me or goes to my website and says, hey, Adam, can you help me do this? It doesn't really matter. I hope so. But the only way that that will happen is if I add enough value to that person yeah. that they then say, you know what? He's the guy that I should talk to. And, and he's humble enough to serve and to give without any expectation of anything in return. Mm -hmm. Right? That is what, what I'm trying to teach other entrepreneurs about and other leaders about to create more servant teachers versus look at me, buy from me now, you know, yeah. advertisers. Yeah. That's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to do, right? Your first instinct is to the natural instinct, right? I think is once you say, okay, well, I've got to go out there and market is to just focus on how awesome am I? Right? So how, so for example, if you're, if you're selling a book though, um, so there, I guess there is a little bit of like maybe chicken and egg, or maybe there's a bit of a paradox, right? You've got a book, right? Yep. On the front of your book, it doesn't say, it doesn't say this book is kind of mediocre, but I think it'll really help you. Right. It probably is. <laughs> so, so how, how, uh, what, for, well, what does it say? Um, and like, where do you strike that balance between, you know, cause to be able to help somebody, you also have to probably impress upon them enough that your, that, that what you're going to teach them is of value. Um, yeah. so I guess I'm curious about how do you deal with that paradox? And I, I, I don't know if it, if it, it probably comes from a place of total ignorance, but I just see that as being like a little, you know, I guess maybe hard to balance. Yeah. So, um, so I've been doing what I do for 17 years and we've worked with over 2,500 CEOs, entrepreneurs, and leaders to help them do just that. Uh, I'm certain that there are people in the world that have more experience than me, but I rarely meet somebody that says, you know, Adam, I've published 2,501 books. So I, I know just a little bit more. And, and the reason I say that is that in the grand scheme of things, I know more about this little narrow niche than 99.999% of mankind, right? Yeah. And, and that's really enough, right? Yeah. Now, I will be the first to admit there are lots of people that probably do know more about this than I do in that 0.0001%. Yeah. In, a, in, a, in a world with 9 billion people, 0.001 is, you know, it, it, it's still, yeah, it's 20 or 25 people. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. By the way, I don't know if that math was right. Hopefully, hopefully no one's using that in their <laughs> underwriting. Uh, <Yes. laughs> but, but 
it's about saying, hey, I have studied this. I've been involved in this for 17 years. Here is what I know through the experiences that I have. And me sharing this with you with no expectation of anything in return, I think it can help you. Because I've done it 2,500 times before and I know it's helped them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, yeah, would I love people to go buy my book? I would. And do I feel like for investing 25-ish dollars, you will get far more than that in return? I, I, I do. But at the end of the day, you know, look, if you say, hey, I'm going to just go to your blog and I'm going to consume everything I can on your blog at no charge. Sure. That's yeah. okay, too. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to buy the book. Right. By the way, it's twenty point zero 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 one percent of twenty five billion is twenty five thousand, which just shows Oof. you how big of a fucking number twenty five billion is. But <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do the math. I was going to drive me nuts later. <laughs> yeah. So, so Adam, you you know the first step is obviously like you were talking about. It's it's okay to be the authority. I, I think the biggest takeaway on what you said was really important. It's not about comparing yourself to others, but to just to share the knowledge that you have. And that's the important part, right? So let's say now, you know, uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to share my mobile home park knowledge. What, what's next? What do I do? How do I go about this? So this is where it becomes strategic and that is, okay, who can benefit most from what you know, right? And that's probably who is your target audience, for, for your message, who's the target audience for your company? I'll use myself as an example. The target audience for our company are CEOs and entrepreneurs. Uh, we believe that they can benefit most from this idea of authority. Uh, it also happens to be the people that are our customers, right? I mean, theoretically, could a school teacher in Kansas come work with us? Theoretically, yes, but highly unlikely. Uh, So who's your audience? That's number one. Uh, Number two, you know, what's keeping them up at night? What are the frustrations that bother them? Uh, What are the burning, yearning questions that they don't have answers to that they would look to you for your insight? That, That would be the second thing. And then the third thing is what is the most effective way for you to reach that target audience with answers to the questions that are keeping them up at night? And it might be, you know, the best way for me to get to them is through a blog. The best way to get to them is through a weekly podcast. Uh, The best way to get to them might be through a white paper that I publish and put on my down, uh, put on my website, a white paper on my website for free download, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. The best way that I may get my message to them is there's only three industry conferences every year that matter. And I need to be on the stage to speak at those conferences. And it could be a little bit of all of that, right? I I don't know because it's going to be different for each person depending on their audience and depending upon the message. But it is very much a begin with the end in mind. Know who your audience is, know what the message is, know what you want to achieve, and then build your content and the places you publish that content based on the answers to those three previous questions. Yeah. 
so it's just it's just so important and i just love you repeating this to me because i know as a ceo and someone who's and cody the same as capital raisers this is so incredibly important to get content out i admittedly am probably one of the worst at it you know i don't really market online i really don't do that because of the some of the things that we talked about earlier of um maybe it's imposter syndrome or whatever it is so you know this really resonates with me and it makes me question i think anyone who's listening to this should start questioning how can they position themselves as authority leader and that others could get value from you as well too well and, and think about too in both of your cases you guys are asking investors to commit their capital alongside you. It's a trust game. It's totally a trust game. Yeah. I think I think 99% of questions that I get are really just trying to, you know, when we're when we're presenting a deal are really around digging into trust, right? Um, at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, right, you don't, you know, you don't place large sums of capital with people you don't trust. And the trust is the biggest obstacle to get over. And once you've built that trust with an investor, for example, like those relationships last years and years and years and years. It, as long as you don't mess it up. Yeah. As long as you don't it's, mess it's up the like trust. It's like a first right? date, you know, yeah. like I, I, there's this, this silly analogy, but I, I love it. It's like uh, people who get nervous to go on a first date. Well, you already have the date. Just don't mess it up. Cheers to lose. Just, yeah. just be you. <laughs> yeah. It's yours to lose at this point. And, and, and the more authority you have, the more trustworthy you are. You know, I, I, I right. like to ask audiences this question whenever I speak publicly and I'll say to them, it's a rhetorical question, but I say, if, if I had to Google your name, uh, would I need to pack a lunch? And, you know, of course, <laughs> would, the, so, would it take a would, while? Yeah. Would it take a while? Like, would I get hungry because there's so much information online about you? Oh, that's a good one. And yeah. look, if, if you're asking me to place half a million dollars into an investment vehicle that you're running and I can't find anything about you, like you're a ghost, m my trust level, yeah. uh, trust isn't going up. Trust is going down. Yeah. Where, whereas if I Google your name and it's like, oh, you know, you wrote this book. And so I go to your Amazon page. Oh, you've got a podcast and you've got, you know, 150 episodes that I can listen to. Uh, oh, you, you have a personal brand website, which, you know, would be adamwitty.com or codylittlewood.com. Yeah. Oh, I can go to your website and I can learn more about you. Um, oh, you know, if I go to LinkedIn, you've got a LinkedIn profile. And holy shit, we have 145 mutual connections. Like right. all of those things build trust. And nowadays, don't let it like, I, I think some people might listen to this and be like, Oh, well, no, I have to meet them. And I don't Google them. like bullshit. I mean, everybody Googles everybody now. And we're all going more and more to a digital age. So it's just so vitally important to have that to be able to pack your lunch and eat it. You need to have a lot of content out there. So I think it's so vitally important for that. And let me let me let me say this to your point, because this is really, really important. Uh, before the pandemic, most of the ways that new authors would come into our family, uh, they would come to Charleston and we would spend a day together and we would build an authority blueprint. It, it was a consulting process. And at the end of that consulting process, typically they would get really excited about the blueprint and they would say, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's make this happen. And we would end up working with them. 
And many of our CEO authors, you know, their total investment in all the things we'll do, like it's significant money. It's six figures and up. And Mm -hmm. COVID hit and we had to do everything virtual. And, And I was certain that our ability to bring those new authors into the family would would like plunge because we couldn't do the in-person stuff and what what i have found is since covid uh because we have so much trust that we've built in the marketplace with all of the content with all of the books with all of the blogs with all of the search optimization where when you type in advantage media or you type in forbes books or you type in adam witty like there's a lot there um our average author is spending even more than before covid and 88 percent of our authors never meet us in person holy cow well that's nuts well that's 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 also great but that's that's amazing I'm it's surprised. Possible. I'm, I'm surprised. That, like no handshake, no sit down in the office, nothing. And it's just a digital world now. It's just the way yeah. it is. It's just a trend that we have to continue to. to so, to go so along. what does that mean? What that means yeah. is that now, because I'm not going to go shake your hand, because I'm not going to go to your office and literally be able to look it up and down, it means I'm going to Google, and I'm typing your name yep. in. And what I find is going to either build that trust like an in-person would, or, or the trust is going to go down. Adam, let me ask you a good question. You know, um, it's, I think this is, I even have hesitation even saying it because I, that imposter syndrome and what we just talked about, people have asked me to write a book about myself and listening to you right now, I'm inspired. I'm like, oh shit, maybe I have to write a book. And how does that process even work? How do you even go about sharing your story? What's some advice that you could give to me personally to be like, you know, if you wanted to write a book, this is what you should probably write about, or you should write about only mobile home yep. parks, or is it interesting enough? What, like, how do you even approach this yeah. is what I'm so curious yeah, about. I've got a couple of big pieces of advice that I think are really relevant to people that are in that, I'm thinking maybe I would like to do a book phase, right? Yeah. The the first piece of advice would be, if at all possible, write on an evergreen topic. Hmm. Uh, And an evergreen topic is something that doesn't go out of style because it's not dated. Like, for example, um, I, I was talking to a good friend of mine who's an author this morning, and he wrote a book a couple years ago about what he calls the Z economy, uh, like Z, Z like zebra. Like gen- and, generous and Z. Yeah, like ge- the Gen Z, the Gen Z economy. Yeah. And he's like, man, I, I thought this was going to be like the best book I've ever written. And I felt like it was. <laughs> and it's been out for two years and it's already dated. And he's, wow. and he's like, mm. you know, I've got to write a new book because it, it's already past its prime. Uh, so if you can write a book on a topic that that isn't going to lose relevance based on events or dates and time or things that happen, that's really, really powerful because your goal is to write a book that can serve you and it can serve others for the next 25 years. 
right? Got it. So, so that's the first thing, evergreen. Uh, the second thing I would say is bait, bait the hook to suit the fish, not the fisherman. A lot of people that I meet, they write the book that they've always dreamed about writing. <laughs> and the problem is, it's really not the book that people dream about reading. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, yeah, that's a good one. What do you think? Why, why is that normally? Oh, because most people have always dreamed about writing a book and like it's a bucket list thing mm. and they have this idea right. of this is what my book's going to be about and it has no relevance to what people would actually buy or what people gotcha. even would care to read yeah it's because we all think we know best correct we, right, we right. all think we know best so yeah. so that would be the second thing is like you know you've got to create a book where there are people that really would care about that topic um and ideally if, especially if it ties into your business, it's a topic that directly ties into your business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so for example, like, you know, my book, you know, this is what our company does. We're in the business of helping leaders create authority. So when I talk about my book, which I'm passionate about, which I love the topic, it directly ties into what I do for a living. Now, now, I could have written a book on how to be a great manager. I mean, I, I, I've been managing and leading people for 17 years. Hmm. I could have written a book on how to be a great manager. Yeah. It has nothing to do with authority. So I, I could do it, but it's going to be a whole lot harder to find relevance. And when there isn't relevance, it's hard to keep things going. It will always be opportune for me to want to talk about the book because it directly ties into what I do, what I do each and every day of my life. It's my livelihood, right? right. Where it, if it's a book on how 10 steps to be a great manager, which has nothing to do with my livelihood. Yeah. At some point the novelty wears off and I'm like, eh, okay, I'm on, I'm moving on. How important is passion? Yeah. Like, do you have to be passionate about the subject you're writing about? I would say that it helps because the end reader will hear it in the words they read. And if they hear you speak or if they hear you on a podcast, uh, mm -hmm. I think they'll see it. Do you, do you suggest, so, so if I'm hearing you correctly, are you suggesting that we fuse in our story personally with what we do, right? Like, because if I was ever to write a book, it's I, I teeter on, well, it, it has to be very factual about you know, the mobile home park space, or do I write a story about myself? And then at, then when I say that, it's like, well, who the hell would want to read my yeah. story, right? And so am I hearing you say that you fuse both of those worlds in together? You can fuse both of those worlds together. I'm not suggesting you should. <laughs> Got okay, it. But okay. you can yeah. I, I would much rather you write the factual book about investing in mobile home parks and throughout the book, talk about pieces of your personal story that make what you're teaching more relevant. Got it. But, but the book it. isn't really the Pasha story. It's not the poker player turned mobile home park investor. It's like... 
one thing in my previous life that I learned and I've applied to mobile home park. And this is why it's relevant because it's an interesting anecdote to teach a lesson kind of thing. Yes. I, you know, with, with no disrespect to the three of us, uh, unless you were Steve Jobs, unless Our you story. were Richard Branson, <laughs> like nobody really cares about your story. Yeah, yeah um, I agree with that. Not, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. your story is pretty cool because I know it. However, I don't think your story alone is enough to sustain the reader. What will sustain the reader is holy smokes, I want to invest in mobile home parks. And I just read Pasha's book and I know more than I ever thought I would know. And oh, by the way, what a really cool story that he followed. What, what a cool path that he went down that ultimately got him to this place. Yeah, makes got sense. I, I have one other recommendation. You, you asked if I had any tips. Please. Yeah, please. No, uh, no. Okay, here. so <laughs> I talk to people all the time that say, I, I got this book. It's the best book. Everybody's going to love this book. Uh, I've always wanted to write this book. And I'll say to them, great. Who is the target reader for your book? And they'll say, everybody. <laughs> there, yeah. there, there, there is not a single yeah, person know. that wouldn't benefit from reading this book. We we actually had the we have this heart same problem with uh with our podcast as well, right? We, we we it's it's so hard, right? It's so you um yeah you know we're both humble, but at the same time we're like, oh, this is uh, this is applicable to everyone, right? We're both an investing podcast and like a full life health, you know. Anyways, but it's it's so hard. We don't know what our yeah, identity. We're, we're still trying to figure yeah, it truth out. Truth be told, still trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so people say this to me, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I just like want to run in the other direction, and 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 the reason I share that is again, like unless you're famous like Taylor Swift, um, reaching everybody is impossible. There's not enough yeah. money that you will ever have to reach everybody. And, and so I've always believed the riches are in the niches. And, and the, the, the more that you can narrow down, the more that you can niche your expertise, be very intentional of who your expertise is for. Yeah. The easier it is to reach them and the easier it is to make an impact on their life. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Absolutely. If, if you the, know, we were actually talking about this earlier with uh, something kind of relevant in that it's actually way harder to go out there and find figure out exactly where uh, retail investors are than it is where institutional investors are. Institutional investors, there's like a list of like a thousand, thousand funds, funds of funds, REITs with discretionary yep. capital, whatever, right? You can go find those guys and you can knock down their doors. But to go try to find like, I don't know, uh, maybe doctors, maybe lawyers, maybe successful entrepreneurs that happen to also have a crossover. And, you know, it's like a very vague pool of capital, right? Just yeah. like the average high net worth individual. Um, yeah, the more targeted you can get, the more, the more you can go pound down those doors. Um, well, so it makes complete sense. And it, it feels like you're cutting out people, right? I think that's why people don't do it. Because it's like, oh, I'm saying if I do that, then I'm saying no to all these other people. Less is more. Yeah. The, the more narrowly you can define who you're for, 
the more impact, the more resonance your message will have, the more that will come back to you. Whereas when you say, hey, we're, we're going to cast a wide net, you know, you're just a minnow in the ocean. Nobody's <laughs> going yeah. to pay attention. And this, uh, this applies to everything in business too. You cast a wider net, you're not going to be able to really get into the, the, the niches and become an expert in what you're doing. Right. Yeah, so it really is applicable to everything yeah. in your life. It's saying no is like a really underrated skill, right? Um, being able to say no and like figure out how to filter that out. It's so hard, right? Especially as entrepreneurs where all you want to do is say yes to opportunities. But I, I do think there's a really great lesson in there. Yeah. I, I think Jim Collins, the the author of the book, good to great. Hmm. He, he, great book. Good book. He said, uh, you know, every, yeah. every entrepreneur should have a stop doing list. Everything is about adding more. Yeah. Everything we talk about is about adding more things. Hmm. But really, you should be thinking about less things. So the few things that you do, you are better at. Yeah. This is why those uh, going on a retreat and being able to wind down and really decompress is really important because I, I found as an entrepreneur, if I don't have those times where I can go decompress or get back to a baseline of what I want, it usually is focus refocusing, right? Because then you get inundated. It feels like I get refocused. I have like two or three main topics that I want to focus on. And then after about a month or two, it feels like I'm focusing on yeah. 10 different things. And so just always to keep refocusing, um, which is really, really important. You know, last time, Adam, I, I had a question. Actually, if, if you have, is there anything else that you think our audience needs to know about becoming the authority before I pivot to my next question? I think um, th this isn't a check the box type thing. This yeah. isn't, a, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I need to become an authority. That's on my to-do list. Right. Like, I, I'm going to go check the box. Hmm. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people, they, they write a book and they're like, okay, I've written the book. I've checked the box. I'm now an author. <laughs> and okay, so what, you know, if, if you're not talking about what's in the book, hmm. if you're not teaching the concepts of what are in the book on a regular basis, then the fact that you wrote a book means nothing. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, you now have an Amazon page, like a placeholder, right? Yeah. Okay. You have an Amazon page. So at the bottom of your email signature, you now have the link to your book. I, I guess you check that box, but the big idea is that this is a this is a way of life. Gotcha. This is a way of being. And you know, we believe that if you as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a leader, like if if you want to grow your business, if you want to grow the impact that you and your business have, when you commit to authority, it, it it's really a lifetime commitment that you're making because everything builds off the other. And the more of it that you do, the more of a, what I call virtuous circle comes to exist, right? You know, you, you write a book, you have a blog, you have a podcast, you speak, you do white papers, maybe you do research reports and all of that stuff, it layers on and stacks against the other and it amplifies the impact of everything else. And that's not something that you check the box on. That's something that's just part of how you operate. Yeah, you're really you're really building a flywheel, right? Mm -hmm. With um, you know, with with becoming an authority, it's not something. It's it definitely doesn't seem like something that's one and done, right? So 
it's, is it, does it have to turn into its own business? Because so many of these guys that I've seen that have kind of turned into these authority figures, it almost consumes the rest of their business. And so I'm wondering how do you, you know, some of the better examples that don't let that happen are guys like, you know, Druckenmiller or, uh, I, I would say formerly Ray Dalio, but he, it's common to become his main business, right? Uh, you know, it's, re, it's really become his main business and his passion, right? Uh, or Paul Tudor Jones or, you know, some of these really, you know, incredibly smart, well-credentialed investors that get brought up, you know, on the Bloomberg stage or the, you know, New York Times uh, uh, yearly thing or Davos or, or, you know, Davos or whatever. Um, and they're both experts and authority figures and they dedicate a fair amount of time and they write books and they do other things, but they haven't really lost their main business. But then there are people that almost do seem to lose their own business and they just only become authorities or, uh, so I guess, I guess not authorities, maybe like celebrities. Right. Um, what do you like? I, I see you smiling. So <laughs> spill your guts. Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I have some thoughts on this. Awesome, so, man. Let's uh, let's 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 do it. I'm I'm excited. The way you're smiling, I feel like we're gonna get some heat. Thought thought leadership based on impact, not ego. That's that's the subtitle of the book. And you are one hundred percent correct. There are a lot of leaders that go down this authority path, and what they realize is they get intoxicated hmm. with the spotlight. Yeah. They love the attention. They love the speaking. They love the media. They love everybody being interested in them. Hmm. They get infatuated yep. with the messenger, which is them, over the message. Right. And that is where things go off the tracks, right? People lose in some cases, their business, because now they're more interested in promoting themselves yeah. than they are the business that they were charged to run. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things there. One is, you know, what's the motivation here? Is the motivation, hey, I want to teach what I know. I want to make a difference in the lives of others. Is it, hey, I think I'm hot shit. And this is a pretty good way for me to prove to people that I'm hot shit. Hmm. Now, between us, there aren't too many people that would willingly admit, oh, yeah, I've got an ego. It's the size of a school bus, and that's exactly why I'm doing this. But for some, it's like drugs. You know, you try it once or twice, and there's no problem. But then you really like it, and you start doing it more and more and more, and then you're addicted, and then it ruins your life, right? And so it's all about... Again, what is the purpose? Is yeah. the purpose to simply teach people what you know to help them? Or is the purpose to share what you know to get attention and a limelight drawn on you? Yeah. And I, it's, it's two very different things. Sure. And, sure. and there's a lot of people that go into it with very pure intentions but then what they realize is they, they love the attention so much, they become addicted to it, they get hooked. And then it's like, whoa, this is more about the Adam Witte show, less about the Forbes book yeah. show. So many yep. of like 
so much of this, it seems like it's in, in your intentions. What are you really, and what what's in your heart? And then can you maintain yeah. that feeling in your heart? It actually reminds me, um, I just finished, uh, have you guys, either of you guys read Kelly Flanagan's book, Lovable? Um, no. Really, really good book. Uh, just awesome. And like, he's an awesome guy in general. But, uh, but he really talks about, he really talks about a lot about ego and like how ego is essentially, it, how ego is essentially like something that we've, we've essentially built up that protects our, you know, our, our genuine heart, right? And that genuine connection comes from the tearing down of that ego and really the, uh, the entire focus on the other person and, and beyond just the focus on the other person, not focus on the other person because of what that impact will have on that other person that they'll bring back to you, but just true compassion and caring and empathy for that other person. And it's like, strangely, it reminds me a lot about what you're saying here in that just true pure heartedness, um, compassion for the reader, the person that you're teaching and maintaining that throughout and bringing down that ego um, or setting aside that ego as much as possible and really kind of maintaining that full, true hearted focus on the other person. Um, so, e I mean, ego is the enemy, yeah. right? I mean, that was Ryan Holiday's yep. well-known book. And, and listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. You can be a thought leader sure. with a servant's heart wanting to teach people and, and be really prosperous at the same time. Yeah. Those are not mutually exclusive, yeah. right? Totally. Um, by doing this with pure intentions, I'm not telling you, you you're signing up to be a pauper. <laughs> it, it's, it's when it shifts from being about the message to it shifts to being yeah. about the messenger. Totally. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, man, that is... Uh, uh, I, I, I do love that. I love the selflessness of that. I think that, uh, you know, the more, the more we can intertwine that in business, I think the better types of business leaders and the better types of businesses that we'll build so many people, you know, so many people, especially in like kind of the hustle porn culture, the profit, you know, the, the profit focused culture and everything, everything else. I mean, profits matter, right? You have to build a sustainable business. You have to make money and you deserve to be well rewarded if you're providing value, but we forget mm -hmm. We forget at the end of the day, right, whether it's the authority business or whether it's, you know, or whether, you know, we're in the game of deploying capital and managing money, uh, you know, or whether it's, you know, making sandwiches, right? Like at the end of the day, every single thing that we, that our focus should be on is, is that value to that end user, to that end consumer. Um, and that selflessness, I think, I think the people that are truly great at it, right, the, the great craftsmen of every craft. Um, are truly focused on that, you know, on, on the value that they're providing and not on the ego that they have, right? I think that's that's been true for, that's a timeless truth. Yep. Yeah. Adam, I, I just have to say, man, this flew by just as fast as the first I episode. <laughs> I was like, by. I was like, I we're going to get so much, it's already so much further in. <laughs> I just, this is just so ridiculous, man. I love having you on the show. You just teach me personally. And I know our audience so much. Thank you again for being on the show. Where can uh, people find your book? Where can they find you um, and read all of your blogs? It's launched now, books, right? It's out. It's that. on Amazon. It's out. Okay. Yeah, it's out. The, it's, yeah, it's out, out. to the world. Uh, so the, the, the authority yeah. advantage, you can, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, awesome. And for any listener, uh, if you want a complimentary digital copy, or a complimentary audiobook. Oh. 
theauthorityadvantagebook.com. Awesome. Wow. See, that is true value with intentionality behind it. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. That's how you live. And and again, look, I mean, I'd love for you to go to Audible and buy it for, you know, money, (laughs) but I'm I'm willing to give it away for free because, you know, if it helps people and they see the genuine passion we have, I know that some portion of those people are going to say, you know what, we should call Adam. Yeah. So, absolutely. you know, I, I teach with nothing expected in return, but, but I know that when you well, do we, that returns will come. Absolutely. Well, I know we appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you oh. again for being on this episode. Um, and just an honor to be able to call you friend. I know Cody and I both love having you on the show immensely. So thank you again. And, uh, yeah, man. Thank you so love much. It. At some point we'll do the trilogy. The trilogy, we will, we will. Oh uh, yeah, actually, no, hundred percent. I actually want. I was like, too soon to ask for the trilogy, like, was, but I'm gonna ask. <laughs> All right, thank, thank you, you so much. All right, so that's it for this episode of Road to 100. Thank you so much for watching or listening. All the links and resources that we mentioned are going to be linked down in the video description or in the show notes. And depending on where you're watching or listening to this, you're listening to this on a podcast platform, then please make sure to leave us a five-star review because it truly helps new people to discover the podcast. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, then you can leave your comment below and ask any questions, insights, or thoughts about the episode. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button.